Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to Good Calls. I'm Dean Blandino. As always, I got my producer, Travis Hansen. Hansen with an O, not an E. It's a Swedish version. On audio, the audio sounding crisp today, Joe Madrid. Audio guy here, check. All right. We got a great show. We got so much to talk about NFL, little college football, too much football to talk about. No guests this week. We'll bring a guest back next week. All right, let's get right into it. NFL, another Thursday night tweet. This is becoming a little bit of a trend here. We started with Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, little lesser known person this thursday night but we have another tweet travis what was the tweet yeah charles robinson senior uh, nfl writer for yahoo said nfl officials have gone rogue 100 this wasn't called on the field and then wasn't changed after it was flagged by the giants so they ruled twice that this wasn't defensive pass interference which is just blatantly wrong and a purposeful refusal of or sorry, purposeful refusal to change the call. All right, so we're talking about this was Thursday night football, and uh, a lot of people were fired up about this. What are we talking about? We're talking about pass interference review. Shocker, right? Obviously. So, and and so the tweet was in reference to that, and and I wouldn't go look. I know people are fired up. There was a call or a non-call in the game. The Giants had the ball late. Uh, they were down by down still by fourteen, I think, at that point, and and it was a pass to Golden Tate. That uh, was ruled incomplete. There was no flags on the field, and and Pat Shermer challenged that it was pass interference, and the call on the field stood. Look, it it was pass interference. It, it was it was so. illegal contact first. The, the defender Jonathan Jones initiated contact beyond five, and uh, and Daniel Jones, the quarterback, was still in the pocket with the football, and then the ball's in the air. There's contact. It it did it did affect materially restrict Tate's ability to make a play on the ball. And it, and it was pass interference, but it wasn't overturned. It wasn't created in replay. And I think this is part of the frustration that people are now voicing with this rule. Because if it is a foul, then why is replay not changing it? And what we've seen, and, and we have not had a reversal in pass interference review since week three. Okay, so so we just we just completed, what, week six? Or we're, we're finishing up week six? The bottom line is, is the standard to overturn a pass interference review is even higher than it is in other reviews. So we had several plays in the Houston, Kansas City. That's right, Houston, (laughs) Kansas City game. Two plays in a row. All three involved Travis Kelsey. Two were back-to-back where the first was no call on, on Kelsey, and it looked like there was some contact, may have been a pick, and and Houston... Bill O'Brien challenged that it was pass interference. The call stood. No, no foul created in replay. The next play, Kelsey was flagged for offensive pass interference. That looked like less of a foul than the one that wasn't called, and uh, and there was no challenge on that. And then a little bit later in the second quarter, we had a we had a flag for DPI on an interception. 
Pat Mahomes throws an interception. Kelsey gets mugged. There's a flag. And after discussion, the officials pick up the flag and they say because the ball was in the air to another receiver, the contact on Kelsey was not pass interference. And, and I agree with that statement that if the ball is in the air somewhere else and, and this is not the intended receiver and there is contact that would potentially be pass interference, it's not a foul because it, it doesn't prevent that player's ability to make a play on the ball. I still think it was close. I want to see the coach's copy. I still think it was real close to that contact happening with the ball still in Mahomes' hand. And if that was the case, it would be uh, defensive holding. But we're having all of these these conversations about this rule. Carolina-Tampa, the London game, blatant push-off early in the game on a, on a Carolina reception. Tampa and, and, and Bruce Aarons has won a couple challenges early in the game, early in the season. He didn't challenge. So I think what we're seeing is this standard is very high. And the coaches are saying, unless it is something critical, a critical situation. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where if it's not that play from the NFC Championship last year, they're they're not going to change it. We're not going to change it. And so it has to be even above and beyond. Because look, the standard in replay is clear and obvious. It has to be clear and obvious that the call in the field is incorrect to change it. And that applies to anything that's reviewable. Catch, no catch, fumble down by contact, or pass interference. But when you break it down... And you look at the number of reviews and the percentage of reversals. There, there have been, and these are unofficial numbers through through week six so far, 157 replay reviews, 56 reversals. If you, if you now divide that into non-PI reviews and PI reviews, okay? Non-PI reviews, 113 total, 49 reverse. That's 43% in terms of calls that are reversed. Where is that historically? Historically, that's more or less typically, you know, as as technology has gotten better, you know, before high definition, it was less than 30%. High def comes in with all the camera angles that we have. Now we've been, last couple of years, we've been between actually 40 45%, even higher in some instances. So that's right in that range. But when you take just pass interference reviews, 44 reviews, 7 reversals, 16% reversed. So you've got really two different standards. You've got a clear sure. and obvious standard that applies to catch, no catch, fumble down by rule, uh, down by contact, scoring plays, and all that. And then you have a clear and obvious, you have a really clear and obvious, I mean, very clear, I, she likes you, likes you standard. <laughs> In past interference review. So all that said, and, and and there was a play, and look, we we saw a play in the in the Arizona Atlanta play that didn't involve pass interference. Christian Kirk, did he fumble? Ruling on the field was down by contact. The ball came loose. Atlanta recovered in the in their own end zone. Atlanta challenged that it was a fumble. It was really close, and it looked like his butt could have been down, was the arm down, and they let that stand. That's a clear and obvious standard. Um, but again, we're seeing a little bit of a different standard, even higher bar when it comes to pass interference. So I throw it, throw it to you guys. I mean, our friends at the Detroit Lions podcast, you know, they tweeted something at us. What What are the fans thinking about this rule? You guys are fans. You watch games what what are you thinking? I'll, I'll say here's what the here's what the guys at the Detroit Lions podcast said. Thanks for listening. I know they're big fans of yours. You're big fans of theirs. They're completely rewriting the PI rules in Minnesota. At Dean Blandino, need some good calls on your show this week. Ooh, Appreciate I, I the like shout that. out. On wow, the show. we got a plug. Yeah, we got to retweet wow. that. But that's not. We are seeing that look, and and fans fans are emotional. We see that the game sometimes from from a certain perspective and rose colored lenses sometimes as it pertains to our team. But this is this is widespread. There is frustration with this rule. So so what what it, do you it's guys gotta think? change. It's gotta change. It's if clear and obvious is the standard, it needs to be that way across the board because what it seems like is we're only gonna overturn a PI call if it's egregious, right? If it's just Ram saying. So if it's only gonna be put into play in you know championship uh playoff NFC playoff game, don't even have it. So either do it and let the players adapt to a clear and obvious or don't do it at all because it's, it's, it's out of control. And I mean, the giants game was to me was, was, it was ridiculous. That was an obvious PI. 
Well, and the one that I that sticks out most to me is is the the one in the London game on Sunday morning with Carolina and Tampa, and and a guy who has been successful. You mentioned Ba Bruce Arians has challenged and won won these PI challenges. He didn't even touch it. He didn't even want to touch it. It's early in the game because early in the game, he's I'm like, not I'm going to risk losing a timeout and exactly. a challenge. So so it's like if it's not one of those plays like that, they're not going to they're not going to touch it. They're and gonna... and we've seen you know through at least up until this point in week six, we've seen I think only five. Passive interference reviews, so that's down compared to previous weeks. And Coaches I would imagine, aren't doing it. Yeah, and I would yeah. imagine, look, you're going to save. It's it's only going to be that situation where we just have to challenge because this is so critical to the outcome of the game. And to be honest, and I'm saying this partially tongue-in-cheek, but I don't even know if the Saints-Rams play gets overturned right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because you, like you said, and here's the thing with replay, and this is why when you get into this subjective world, Replay doesn't always work. When you talk about objective fact, the ball touching the ground, the knee touching the ground, it's I can say, look, it's clear and obvious. The ball touched the ground. And and if the ball's on the ground, you guys can't argue with me. Right. But if I say, look. Unless you're a Cowboys fan. Well, then, yeah, they, they'll argue all <laughs> they want. And look, I love you guys. Love Cowboy fans. Keep listening to the show. But anyway, so, but the thing is now we say, Oh my God, look, there's contact. It's clear and obvious he contacted the receiver. But now what the league is saying, yes, he did contact the receiver, but it wasn't clear and obvious that he significantly hindered his ability to make a play on the ball. That is now become the argument. Right. And it's such a it's such a a subjective call and it's such a like a nebulous, that's a SAT word right there. Wow. It's <laughs> a, you know, it's such a, a nebulous thing where where I can sit there and I can argue with you. All day. Yeah, he contacted him, but it didn't affect his ability to make a play on the ball versus, no, there's the ball on the ground. You can see it, right? Or there's his foot out of bounds. Exactly. And that's why replay is for objective facts. And when you enter this subjective world, replay doesn't always work. It's like a square peg in a round hole. I think you called it last week with the the one and done but the Duke, calling it the Duke Duke, Duke basketball. The the, the Zion, the RJ Barrett. You know, this is. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to, to think that the league is, is happy with the results so far, with, with obviously with all the negativity. And there's always negativity about officiating. Look, when I was there, no, nobody's perfect. When I was right. there, they were saying the officiating was horrible. So, again, nobody's perfect. It, it's a hard game to officiate. But the thing is, I don't think the league could be very happy with the results so far. And so I would be hard-pressed to, to imagine that this rule as is goes beyond this year. Now, now they could right, tweak okay. it. They could change it a little bit. That's why you put it in for one year because you don't have to, you don't have to, in essence, vote it out. You don't have to have 24 votes to get it out. You just. But they have to re-vote to bring it back. If Exactly. So so to bring it back as is, you'd need 24 clubs. I think it's going to be a longer discussion to this say, time. Exactly. You'd need 24 clubs. And that's when we get into that process, that competition committee process. Vet out the unintended consequences prior to the vote. Look at the video. Have those conversations. Have it all worked out. Then you go into the vote. Have all the clubs on the same page. And then everybody can make an informed decision. And and I don't know. Look, I wasn't involved in 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 the in the process this year, obviously. But I don't know if that was the case with uh, you know with how it all went down. So that is our uh, our pass interference segment of the week. And I would imagine we're going to be talking about this the rest of the way. Let's uh, let's go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the upset of the week. Travis is crying. I'm not crying. Crying yet. Yeah, I watch not, football differently now. I'm not crying. You're crying. We'll be back on Good Calls. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. 
This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. We're back on Good Calls. And you obviously can't see us, but I, iHeart did such a good job with the, with our theme music. Like every, we are all, every time it comes on, I'm like bobbing my head, dancing. Tweet us, Texas, if you guys Texas. are dancing every time you hear it, you start dancing as well. A little plan dancing. Can we talk about plan dancing? Can we get the, can we, we go get, there? We can get to plan dancing. Plan dancing is, is a, is a concept <laughs> that it's white people and we are, we are white people, the three of us here. White people love choreographed, planned dances. When you give us the instructions. When you say white, though, you mean like when I say it in this context, like someone who's not a great dancer normally. Correct. Yeah. So, so Travis. Not a lot of rhythm. So, yeah, Travis. Yeah. I've told you this before. I've dancer. won a dance contest in my <laughs> lifetime. I, the, well, hold on. Uh, the first Where time was I, this dance contest? It was fifth grade. So okay. that, you know, like right, this early right. 90s, Casper, Wyoming. I thought uh, the first time I saw Travis one. dance, I thought he was deaf. But it's okay. <laughs> so, but when you give us instructions, when I'm, so, so examples right we're talking about what, what are we talking the about macarena. the macarena when you give us what, what are some other plans the cupid dances? shuffle is by far hands cupid down shuffle the, the white the electric slide when yeah. you give us directions we crush crush it, it. crush it <laughs> go to a wedding go to a club go if there is not that they play too much of that in the club but if you go to a wedding and the, the white people are on the dance floor. To and the left, to the exactly. there they go. And then if you come back, if you go, if you go plan dance song and then come back with like something a little more like like hip hop or a little more urban, <laughs> like it just clears the out. The dance floor is empty. Clears out. All Anyways, right. All hey, right. let, here's some Lights direction. On, Let's move on Let's to the Cowboys. On. Let's game. move on. Dallas in the Jets. Big upset. The Jets get their first win. Um Congratulations to the Jets for good to see Sam Darnold feeling better. Sam Darnold's back, and obviously that had a lot to do with it, with their uh, with their quarterback of the future. But what I want to talk about is the fourth quarter, and there was a lot of lot of chatter about this on social media. Fourth quarter, right after the two minute warning, there were six consecutive plays with with fouls, six consecutive plays with penalties, and everyone was like, "Oh my, you know, six plays, let him play the whole deal." And, and I went back and I watched all six plays, and you can make a case that the, that the fouls are there on all six plays. I thought, look, there's there's a, there's a defensive pass interference on Cashman where where he, he there's contact with Ezekiel Elliott downfield. It's close, but you can make a case that he's early. And then there's one on Adams on Witten, which was the last of the six that was close. Looked like there was some contact early. But even, you know, Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the broadcast, Jim is saying, you know, can we have a play without a penalty? 
and they show the replay of the Adams contact, and on the same play, Leonard Williams buries his head into Dak Prescott's chest, and they're like, and Jim and Tony are like, whoa, that could have been a foul too. <laughs> so in the same breath, we're complaining, not complaining, but we're saying, hey, you know, we've got a lot of penalties on these plays, but there could have been one more. And I just want to talk about, listen, how important penalties and fouls are to the game. And, and what, what penalties do is fouls basically ensure that the game is played fairly and safely. And if officials are not throwing flags, then you are allowing teams to gain an unfair advantage because if a team goes into a game and says, we're going we're gonna to hold, we're going to grab, we're going to make the officials call fouls. And if the officials then say, you know what, we're going to let them play today, then that team has gained an advantage. Where the other team is saying, we're going to play by the rules, we're going we're gonna to play it um, you know, to the, to the letter of the rule. So you have to throw flags for penalties. And what's interesting about the numbers, look, the numbers are up this year. They, there has been an uptick. We're over 18 fouls per game. That's total. That's accepted, declined, and offsetting fouls historically the 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 number when you talk about this the from 1975 to 2005 which is the that that time frame okay is the 30 year period which which basically the the explosive growth of the NFL during that time becoming America's most popular sport during mm-hmm. that time penalties were between 15 and 16 a game okay in 2006 to 2013 penalties dropped seven of those eight years penalties dropped under 15 a game and the competition committee got together and said we are letting too much go we're letting too much contact downfield go go and the game is getting more dangerous and the game is getting unfair to an extent where teams are gaining an advantage so they they put in points of emphasis in 2014 i was at the league office at that time we're going to emphasize defensive holding we're going to emphasize the illegal contact we're going to emphasize illegal hands to the face when you look at the, the overall 40, 45-year period from 1975, we're still in that 15 to 16 penalty range. Think about all the penalties opportunities have been added into the rule book since 1975. All the defenseless player protections that have been added, the player safety fouls that have been added, all the rules changes. There are so many more opportunities to throw flags now than there were back then. And we're still in that 15 to 16. Again, uptick this year right now, but we're only through six weeks. Let's see where we are at the end of the year. We're in that 15 to 16 penalty range, which is incredible when you think about it. It's incredible. I think it speaks a lot to coaching as well. 100%. And what we've seen is that officials will, will, will try to correct behavior and coaches and players adjust. And that's why you see over time, these numbers stay pretty static. When you talk about rules and fouls, one of the most influential and impactful rules changes in the history of the NFL was was when the league implemented the current version of the illegal contact rule. The illegal contact rule in 1978, which is what the current rule is today, basically said defenders can only contact an eligible receiver within five yards of the line of scrimmage if the quarterback still had the ball in the pocket. Prior to that, defenders, you had you had defensive backs like Mel Blunt and these guys that were athletic and big, they were killing receivers off the line. You couldn't get into your break. You couldn't get into your route. The passing game was stifled. The passing numbers were down. Points were down. That rule, illegal contact, opened up the passing game, allowed for more freedom in route running, allowed more downfield passing, more points, and you saw the league become as popular as it is today as one of the major contributing factors was that rule and opening up the passing game. And I think what we see today is now with points at 47-48 a game. We're, we're breaking passing records you know, every year. We feel like mm-hmm. you know completion percentage, passing yards per game, all of these things, touchdowns per game, those types of things. So penalties are important and i think we we can't lose sight of that when we talk about you know oh there were six plays in a row with fouls well maybe there were six fouls on those six plays and and again maybe even more and teams will say and i've talked to coaches and they've coached this way we don't think officials will call fouls they'll call they'll call it on one play maybe they'll call it two plays in a row we don't think they'll call it three four five 
five times in a row. So you'll, you're, you're you, pushing the envelope a little bit, thinking like, envelope. how much can we get away with here? Exactly. And then that that is how some coaches look at the game. And if officials don't throw flags, then those coaches gain an advantage. And the coaches that are playing it by the book, by the rules, are the ones that are disadvantaged. So The one thing we, we overlook here, we talked about this on Sunday morning, is these officials are really, really good. And, and I don't think people give them enough credit. We don't, we don't hear it on our broadcast enough that these guys do a really good job. And you see it on Twitter. You get texts from your friends. These refs are killing us. They're, they're not. They're, they're, they're calling it, and they're doing it for the right reasons that Dean just went over. It, it's, I saw a tweet. I don't know who it was, but I thought it was a great tweet when he talked about the quarterbacks. And, 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 and the person said, they said, when I watch the game in the press box, I'm amazed at how a quarterback can miss a wide-open receiver. I'm amazed. When I go down on the field and watch it at, at eye level, field level, I'm amazed that they ever complete a pass. The speed of the, the speed, game is yeah. unreal. Because the speed of the game. And when and it's the and I thought about that and I'm like, you know what? It's the same with officiating. When I watch a game on TV, I go, How the heck did they miss that? Right? How did they miss that after I watched the third replay in slow motion from from the best angle possible that the official didn't have? From a hundred thousand dollar right? camera. And then and then when I've watched games on the field. I go, how the heck do they get anything right? <laughs> I'm amazed. And that's where I think we lose sight of it. But you know what? The expectation right now is perfection. We have replay. We have technology. The game is so fast. And there's so much riding on these games. And, again, I get it. And, and fans want these calls to be correct. But the reality is the, the NFL officials and officials across all sports are really, really good at what they do. Agreed. So, so Dean, is that, a, is that a record, six in a row, you know? That's a good question. I don't know if that's a record. It's a record this season. I don't think we've had a game where we've had six in a row. Is that a metric people, but people are keeping? I, I'm sure somebody has it yeah. somewhere. We could we could find it. I'm sure a quirky research or something like that will have it. Quick Bing search. Uh, Raiders set the NFL record. Tw- most in a game was 23 by one team. Yep. That doesn't tell us the consecutive. Doesn't tell us the he tried to set us up to show us how smart he was. But, Chandler Bing. But yeah. no, and then he binged it. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> let's go to talk. Talking of quirky research and quirky rules. <laughs> this is a great one. Fair catch kick. We had to go all the way to London for the fair catch <laughs> kick. And it was amazing how many people on Twitter today were tweeting at me like, what the heck just happened? What, what is that? Please explain the rule to me. I've been watching football my entire life, and I've never seen it. Look, it's an NFL rule. You can't do it in college. You can't do it in high school. It's an NFL rule. And basically what the rule is is that if you complete a fair catch, right, so you signal and you complete that fair catch, then you are entitled to a fair catch kick from that spot, and you can elect to take that fair catch kick. And what a fair catch kick is, it's just like a field goal attempt, but it looks like a kickoff. So you have you have you have a, a holder, you can't use a T, so the ball's on the ground, and you can like a field goal attempt, you can have a holder. All the kicking team players are on the yard line that the ball was caught, so that's their restraining yard line. Then ten yards from them is the defense return team. They're all on their restraining line. Same formation restrictions in terms of in terms of similar to a kickoff in terms of that restraining line. And you can kick the ball, and if it goes through the uprights, you get three points. The clock starts once the ball is kicked. The ball can be returned, just like a missed field goal, even a punt. You can return it for a touchdown. And if you miss it, and there's time remaining on the clock, and it's no good, and it's not touched by the defense in the field of play, then it comes all the way back to the spot of the kick, and the defense gets the ball there. So you don't see this... Like with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter, you're not going to give up your possession sure. and attempt, you know, uh, because you, you won't. You think it's cool. You're going to do it at the end of the half, which is what Carolina did today, Carolina-Tampa in London. And uh, and so it, it worked out because we know, like, the, the, the European fans love the kicking game. Of course. So it was just perfect for this fair catch kick to happen in London. And uh, it was no good. It was a 60-yard attempt. It was had the distance, but it looked like it was wide, it was wide, wide right. Wide right, yeah. Wide right. Um, the great and, thing about this is you don't have anyone like rushing to try to block it. Either. Exactly. Exactly. You, you pretty much have a free go. 
Um, they can't, you know, the, the defense can't move from their restraining line until the ball is kicked. And, and so you'd have to kick it pretty low for, for them to have an opportunity to block it. Do you think every coach in the league knows that rule? I think they do. You know, I used to get special teams coaches are, are a very unique bunch. And they know of all the coaches, I've always said, and you go back and you look at the, the head coaches that, that I've dealt with. Usually the ones that have special teams backgrounds are, are most in tune with the rules. And so special teams, because special teams coaches are coaching all sides. They're, they're coaching both offense and defense, and and obviously special teams in terms of you know what's happening. They have to they have to teach you know blocking. They have to teach you know getting off blocks, all of those things, rushing kicks, that type of thing. And so they're very very in tune with the rules. So I would guarantee every special teams coach, and I would imagine every head coach, um, unless they just came from college, would 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 be pretty in tune with this rule. But the thing is, you know, you do a little research about this. The last time it happened in the NFL was 2013, and it was the 49ers and the St. Louis Rams, the Rams who have um, since moved to L.A., and it was Phil Dawson, and it was a a missed attempt. The last made kick was 1976, and it was Ray Wershing. Um, and I'm just doing a little looking it up here. Ray Wershing was the last successful kick. It was a 45-yarder, so that must have been a, a, a pretty bad punt. They really shanked And it was a 45-yarder at the end of the first half. It put the charges up 27-10. to 10. And that is the, uh, the, the last successful NFL free kick. And then this is fun, fun fact. Um, a couple, Paul, Paul Hornig attempted a, uh, and he actually made one in 1964, um, Green Bay and Chicago, 52-yarder at the end of the first half. But the very first one on record, Travis, when was it and who attempted it? Well, I watched uh, – you can go on at NFL on Fox on Twitter and you can watch the video Dean did today explaining this. Nice, nice plug. So I, I, I cheated a little bit. I, 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 I'm the teacher's pet here. I, I saw it as 1921 in uh, your friend Curly Lambeau. Curly oh, yes. Lambeau. Can I, I, I nicknamed the kick the Lambeau leg. Nice, wow. nice, the Lambo legs. So now before we're the Lambo leap, and he didn't throw a fox in there. The company man, right here. So he, so Curly Lambo, obviously known for Lambo Field. Now he's known as the the inventor of the fair catch kick. Shifting gears a little bit to kicks, I do want to talk about this. I think this is an important topic, and I think the league is going to have to really keep an eye on this onside kicks. And we talk a little bit about the changes to the kickoff, and 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 now where you have to have. You have to have all of your kicking team players within a yard of the restraining line. You have to have both feet on the ground until the ball is kicked, and there's no run-up. It has made the onside kick very, very difficult to to s- complete successfully. Last year, 8% on expected onside kick, 8% um, act of uh, successful, and that compared to 13, just over 13% historically. This year... Okay, can you tell me what percentage of expected onside kicks have been successful this year to date? Well, the fact that you're bringing it up, I'm going to guess it's less than that eight. So I'm going to say five. Joe? I don't think I've seen one com- successfully done. I'd say two. Maybe I missed one. So right now, to date, we are 0 for 17 on onside kicks. So 0%. 0% Yikes. of successful onside kicks. And and onside kicks are very important to the game because we've always, we've talked about margin of victory and, and the NFL wants close games. Nobody wants look, if the game's 42 to nothing, people are tuning out. People are leaving the stadium. Nobody wants to watch that game. The onside kick allows the team that's down multiple scores in the fourth quarter to come back, even without timeouts. It allows you to come back. And if you don't have a play that has any any realistic chance of being successful, you have now taken that away, and now we're going to have games that that are no longer one-possession games are no longer exciting at the end. So I think the league has to look at this and, uh, and really do something, really do something um, potentially drastic in the offseason. Do you think you'd see the AAF rule where you can go to like a fourth and 15 or something like that? It's, it's possible. You know, the, the, the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, the ill-fated um, professional so league that in the spring, last spring, um, had a, a rule that it was basically a, a fourth and 12 from the 28-yard line. So you had to get a first down. And why they went fourth and 12? Because fourth and 12 is a similar success rate 
to converting that was similar to where the onside kick was in the NFL. And, uh, and so you want it to be, you don't want an easy play, obviously. You don't want it to be 50%, but you don't want it to be you know, 2%. You want something that has a realistic chance, or at least, you know, the, the famous Jim Carrey line, you know, you're, you're saying there's a chance. You're telling me so, there's a chance. So that might be something, and the league has discussed that. The competition committee has discussed that in the past. I don't know. You know, there are a lot of people that feel like that is it might be a little that, hokey. Is, that is gimmicky, and yeah. it's going away from, you know, the tradition and the, and the normal, you know, kicking game, that special teams aspect. But, look, if this if if we're at 0% for 2019 at the end of the year, I think the league is going gonna, is gonna to look at doing something. I don't know what yet, but I think 0% is a – an alarming number. It's only one year. You never want to, again, small sample size, but 0% would not be good. There was one in the Dallas game, and the, it bounced off the guy's chest. Then he bobbled it trying to pick it up, and the Cowboys still didn't get there. I don't know that was if it's due to where they have to line up on it's the a, play. It's a great question because, you know, we, I, we were talking about that play, and if they had even the five-yard run-up, are they, are they a yard or two closer, and, and does that Dallas player have the ability – you know, or the jet player have the ability to, to pull that ball back in um, versus, you know, having a couple of kicking team players there and being able to, to was the reason it. for the change player safety guys. Yeah. I mean, the, the region, the reason was player up. safety. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't like, you know, used to be, you could run up, you could run Blow up as much as you wanted. I mean that, that play, that onside kick play when I first started at the NFL was brutal, brutal. And that was, and, and you talked to, people that played the game and coached the game, you, the, the most, the bravest guys on the team were the guys on the hands team. Yeah. And nobody wanted to go and play that and, and be on that hands team because you were in essence sitting there, you had 11, 10 minus the kicker, you know, um, guys with a full head of steam, basically just trying to clear you out I to get Braveheart. that football. Exactly. Braveheart. <laughs> when, when the, the English are coming down with the heavy horse, right. you're like, well, you got no heavy horse. No army has never won in 300 years. And Mel Gibson's like, I wrote the script. Watch what happens. We're going to have long spears. Some men are longer than others, but anyway, okay. Get me on a tangent. I knew wow. I could. I knew that, I could get you going. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that was not scripted. So did that off the cuff. All right. I, we had the conversation a couple of days. Onside ago. script, onside script, onside kick, potentially something to look for in the uh, in the future. Let's let's go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little college football. I think we're going to have some fun with some other things too. Hell yeah! What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. 
the ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back. Good calls. Let's talk a little college football. You know, we're we're mainly an NFL show, but I think there was some interesting stuff in college football this past weekend, and I want to talk about it. Can we call this the head scratcher? The head scratcher, head scratcher call of the week. Texas Tech Baylor. What a game! Really exciting game this year. They're playing a little defense in the Big Twelve, which which I like. Yeah, it's great. And so the game's in overtime. First possession of overtime. Baylor has the ball. And, uh, and we have a, a snap. The ball is on the ground. Texas Tech recovers, but the officials come in, throw a flag, kill the play, and rule illegal snap. And, uh, and so it was interesting. The rule basically says a, a legal snap is, is when the, the center takes the ball and in one continuous motion, okay, basically moves that ball in one continuous motion, and it leaves his hand in that motion. And so typically when you see an illegal snap, it's like a, it's a double clutch. They start the snap and stop it, or they snap it and leave it up against their, their backside. But here, this was not an illegal snap. This was one continuous motion. The ball left his hands. I don't know if he thought the quarterback was under center. Uh, but anyway, ball came loose. Should have been Tech's ball. We're in overtime, first possession. Tech gets the ball. Look, we don't know what would have happened. Maybe they fumble on the next play, but I think their 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 odds of winning that game go way up when if they get that football in that situation. The Big Twelve, Texas Tech athletic director Kirby Hocutt had, had, did confirm that the Big Twelve admitted the mistake, and uh, you know we don't know we don't know what the ramifications are going to be from from a, an officiating perspective. But uh, but it was uh, the incorrect call. Then the other the other play I want to talk about is USC Notre Dame. Really, I mean this is this was a good game. Went down to the end. The Notre Dame is up thirty to twenty seven. USC just scores. They're going to go for the onside kick. You know what we were talking about with the uh, the NFL rule. And uh, but Notre Dame had had eleven players on the field, but there was a twelfth person on the field when the ball was kicked, and that was head coach Brian Kelly. And this, to me, this is a problem more so in college football than it is in the NFL. And the NFL has done things to curtail this. But in college football, the coaches are are on the field, and it's become a problem. And and, and the NCAA has, has made it a point of emphasis. They want officials to flag these coaches. But just like any other point of emphasis, it happens, and then it tends we tend to get lax on it. But Brian Kelly is on the field motioning for his players to move over, to shift over to the direction of the kick. And the ball is kicked, and he's he's almost to the numbers. And so you wonder, you know, do, do USC players who can see him, are they, are they reacting? Do they stop? To me, at the very minimum, I think if the officials recognize that, they kill it. And and we basically redo it. I don't I don't think we penalize them. You know, fifteen yards. Or Is that a warning? Like you got to get back, yeah, coach. Get where's back. he? I like... mean that that you know we give sideline warnings. Officials give sideline warnings in college, but you know you can't be on the field during the play. And and I know and and sometimes look in the emotion. And that's why they have those get back coaches. And we see NFL coaches with guys that are responsible for keeping the head coach off the field because the head coach, sometimes they don't even realize. And I'm sure Coach Kelly didn't even realize how far out on the field he was. The heat of the moment. Heat of the moment, but great Asia song. But he can't (laughs) be out on the field. And I think at a very minimum, you got to shut it down, redo it, and uh, and make sure coach is off the field. But uh, that was definitely something. And, and, And look, when I was at the NFL... It was a it was a legitimate concern with the coaches coming from college, and they're used to being able to be out on the field. Their staffs, and now they're bringing their staffs and these coaches from college to NFL. And the NFL competition committee was very was very adamant, and the direction to me when I was at the league office was, we want the officials to make sure the coaches stay on the sideline. We don't we don't even want them huddling up with their players during breaks too far out onto the field. Let's keep it as close to the sideline as possible. And uh, and I think that's something that uh, that 
the the NCA needs to continue to look at and make just, sure that that doesn't happen again. Just want to throw this out there, Dean. Yeah, sure. I am an audio guy, but if they need Allegedly. somebody to, to keep to keep the coaches back, just put a good word in. I'll hold them back. I'll make sure everyone's staying on the you're, you're a, you're I'm available for a full time gig. Well, all right, during football, he's season. a he's a kind of a master of. Well, he's a jack of all trades. You know, he's a he's yeah he's. A, <laughs> well, what's that that phrase I'm looking for? Like he's. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, yeah. but he's a master of none. But anyway, um, that's college football. Let's shift gears. And now we're going to go into the segment that we have titled Inside the Brain of Blandino. But before we do that, I got another tweet that I want to share with the world or however many listeners we have. Travis. Millions. Who? Who? Who tweeted on on Sunday? There was a little bit of a little bit of a miscommunication. There was, but I'm gonna have to bust you on this one because this goes against one of your rules of the show with no yes, religion. I don't. But but th- I feel like this is not. We're not getting really into. It's a religious figure. No religion, no politics. It's a religious. It's a religious figure. Yes. but it's not about like any religious. The Pope views. Francis tweeted. Pope Francis. Yeah. Just just that statement alone. Pope Francis tweeted, could you imagine 20 years ago? So the Pope was, I was on the Pope's Twitter account and, uh, and I know he retweeted, the, he the retweeted, the, the, he retweeted the, 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 the French bulldog that looked like Chucky, you know, that was running around with the, it was so funny. The Pope has a sense of humor, but go ahead, Travis. What was the tweet? So today we give thanks to the Lord for our hashtag new saints. They walked by faith and now we invoke their intercession. So there were new. So the Pope obviously was talking about saints in like the Mother Teresa mold, and but with the hashtag, and so and I just I even Googled new saints today, and it comes up with the New Orleans Saints, their record and their win today well, with Teddy the Jaguars. Two He's got and them winning games, and then you go to the second the second. Thing on Google is Pope Francis canonizes five new saints, including John Henry Newman. So, so when Pope Francis and I know the Pope is running his own Twitter account. So when he when he did hashtag Saints, it came up the New Orleans Saints, and you even have the Florida Lees and and the whole thing. So so to me, I want to see the video of somebody explaining to Pope Francis, <laughs> Pope, this <laughs> is crazy. What? Pope, you're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe what happened. You know, the, the, the tweet you sent about the new Saints, well... It was great. It was well, well crafted. There's this it American football team that's also <laughs> called the Saints. They're, Drew Brees is the quarterback, Sean Payton. So anyway, I want to be there for that. But I thought that was hilarious. But let's get inside the brain of Blandino. So if you haven't heard this before, I take notes in my phone. I used to do stand-up comedy. If something strikes me as funny or interesting, I put it in my phone. I've got... I don't know, Joe, thousands and thousands of entries over the last however many years. And what Joe does is Joe is now going, he likes reads them in his spare time, but he's just going to scroll down real quick, pick one, and then I have to explain it. I love this one so much. I already have done it, and I'm so excited. Okay, what do you got? What do you got? And this is completely random. Every 14 minutes, someone finds love on eHarmony. There ain't that many happy people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Exactly. So my point is, so I I was watching the eHarmony commercials, and I'm glad you you came up with eHarmony because if you've watched, if you've noticed the shift in the eHarmony advertising campaigns, eHarmony used to have the guy that used to come on, the guy that started it, the older guy. The old gray hair. Mm-hmm. And the old gray hair guy with glasses. And he would say, he, eHarmony was kind of like the, the antithesis of like the others, like where, where everything was like, we're showing all these attractive people and you can meet these attractive people if you come to our dating website. So eHarmony was like, look, looks aren't important. We try to match you up with your perfect mate based on, you know, like common interests, music, all these things. And so it was it was less about looks and more about like actual connection. If you see an eHarmony commercial today, everyone is good looking. They still they still push the whole we're going to connect you with your soulmate, but everyone is good looking. And so they've realized that basically Attractive people sell product. They sell websites, all those things. Okay. But anyway. So PC. Nice work. Thank you. I know. Sex sells. But anyway, (laughs) here's the thing. 
like I said, and the Pope every the same 14, Joe, what did I say? Every 14, every 14 minutes, someone finds happiness. Yes. And I walk around every day and I'm in Southern California where the weather is amazing. And all I see is pissed off people. <laughs> so in the car, no, nobody pissed. is on eHarmony apparently because every 14 <laughs> minutes they are not becoming happy. They're becoming more frustrated and more angry. And uh, and so that's that's the thought of the day. The I'm joining the harmony today. Join the harmony. You're you're single. You, you're you're out there. You're out there. Let's go to the DM of the week. And uh, and this was a um, this was someone that DM'd me, and it's actually a positive DM. And and I do get wow. one in a hundred are positive. I could I could go to the every 14 minutes you get. One, I, I could go to well, the, the odds you know, of you getting a positive DM yeah. or like getting an onside kick in the NFL. It, there you uh, go. it is exactly Joe. <laughs> that was, that was solid right there. That was solid. Let me turn it up. There, there we go. go. There you go. Audio guy. Okay. So it was, it was basically, and I'll paraphrase this. Thank you for agreeing that Texas tech fumble call was BS. It gives me a slight glimmer of happiness, knowing your excellent mind agreed with that. Crappy call as we are all pissed about it. Genuinely feel, feels like a uh, feel like that's a season changing call. Keep staying saucy, Dean. Wow. And then saucy and then a Dean. second a and then a second a second message. Also keep this between you and I. But I think you're much better and cuter than Mike Pereira. <laughs> so this I will read this when I'm when when I'm get to minute fifteen and I'm still not happy. Just pull that. I up. will pull that up and I will read that. It's it's like a it's like a it's it's a little glimmer of hope in a sea of crap that I, that is my Twitter page and uh, and that thank you unknown fan I'm yeah, not going to name the person out, um, I will a hundred percent I will I will hundred percent thank you for the DM of the week All right, guys that's the show a lot of stuff to talk about obviously it's a fun show it was a, it was a lot of fun I feel like we're we're you know, hitting our stride a little bit. I do spend way too much time. I was with just you say, guys. all it takes yeah. is thirty hours over three days to, to, to get finally this kind of continuity. get. Yeah, I think you, I think you I think that. we're. I think I we're. It. I think we're in harmony. I think we're 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 e harmony. By the way, we okay. harmony. That's the we're show. Holding hands right now. Good too. calls with Dean Blandino. Make sure you check in next week. And thanks for listening. Good Calls with Dean Blandino is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.